0: Good morning, everyone. Ooh, look at somebody next to you and say, I'm really glad you made it today. Hallelujah. How many just you sensed the presence of the Lord in the place today? About three of us over here. Y'all didn't feel the presence of the Lord over here, none? So good. So good. The presence of the Lord is so strong in here today. Thank God for what he's doing. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank God for the power. Holy Spirit. I can't imagine having life without him, and I really can't imagine going into church without him. I need him in church, and I need him in life. Amen. Hallelujah. So good to see you in the house of the Lord today. We're just honored that you're here today and blessed today. Just a couple quick house announcements. Don't forget, coming up on January the 12th, we're having our Advance the Calls offering. Next offering that'll be advanced calls that'll be on January the 12th. How many are already working on it? Already working on it. We're on a mission, we have an assignment, we got a building to build. Amen. What else are we gonna do? That's what we're gonna do, right? We're gonna build a building for the glory of God. We got there's more ministry that's taking place, more people that need to be saved. Do you realize that if everybody just in the city limits of Clouston, just in the city limits, not the county, not the district, not the region, but if everybody got saved just in the city limits of Clouston, there's not enough seats available in the churches in the city of Clouston to hold everybody. I don't know about you, but I'm expecting a harvest. Hallelujah. I don't believe this is the best there is. I believe it's going to get better in the kingdom of God. Amen. The world might get worse, but the kingdom's going to get better. Amen. Hallelujah. Just a couple things. Notice that Pastor Porter wasn't here this morning. He and Chris are in Darlington, South Carolina there. They had a friend of ours church there. It's a pastor appreciation there, so they're up there ministering. And In fact, Pastor Porter's going to be preaching this morning. So we just bless them today and thank God for Thank God for the gifts in the house. Amen. Amen. That's what we are. We we train, we equip, we send, we release, we believe we got enough for everybody. Amen. Amen. It's also good to have Raylan Callahan here with us this morning, helping leading worship. We love Raylan, Hallelujah. She was at a, a youth conference in Orlando. Was it Orlando? Inverness, somewhere in that area, up there around Inverness, at a youth conference, and I had Micah go pick her up last night, and (laughs) I'm just kidding, I think he would have went either way, he went and got her last night and brought her back here, so good to have you today, thank you for helping us today, incredible anointing on your life, we just celebrate the gift of God that's inside of you, Amen. amen, and Jamon, he's on the drums, I don't know where he's at right now, Jamon's playing the drums, he's from Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia there, so he's maybe back there trying to get cooled off a little bit. So we just come on. Let's give God praise for all the gifts in the house this morning. Amen. Of course, it's always good to have Pastor Corey in the house. We love some Pastor Corey. Amen. Amazing job today. Amazing job with everything this morning, Hallelujah. All right. Well, stand to your feet. Let's grab your Bibles this morning. It's funny preachers say stand to your feet. Where else you gonna stand? Stand on your hands. <laughs> All right, stand on your feet. At the end of the service, we're going to be praying. we got some things we're going to do, and uh, some people we're going to honor just for a few minutes after service today, so we'll make room for that. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 46. I want to go back to this theme verse. I kind of jumped into it last week, and I want to peel off from it a little bit today. How many were here last week? How many were here the week before? How many were here the week before? See, that this is our fourth week in this particular series of messages. If you haven't been here, you need to catch up. You can just go right online. You can go to Facebook there and pick it up. It would be good for you to keep up with what God's doing in the house. Amen. Just, just pick that up and listen to it, watch it, whatever. I think it will help you. All right, Isaiah chapter 46. Verse number nine says, remember the former things long past, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things which have not been done, saying my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Aren't you excited about that? That the purposes of God will be accomplished. The purposes of God will be accomplished. Calling a bird, a prey from the east, and a man of my purpose from a far country. Truly I have spoken, and truly I will bring it to pass. I have planned it, and surely I will do it. Come on, push on somebody. Tell them whatever God has said he's going to do. Just tell them that. Whatever he said he's going to do. He's going to do that. That word, purpose, is the same word. Another translation uses the word counsel, which literally means by God's design or by God's will. His plans, the plans of God, cannot be frustrated. The plans of God cannot be thwarted. You cannot disrupt the plans of God. Whatever God has willed, you can't stop it. Uh, That there's not enough devil power. There's not enough manpower to stop the counsel of God. Whatever God has purpose, God's able to do it. Amen? All right, now let's go to this verse here in the New Testament and pick it up where we left off last week in Matthew chapter 14. Y'all see I got my boots on today? Y'all see that? Justinia said, look like you're going to a Mexican hoedown when I went in the green room. There. <laughs> I think something like that anyway. (laughs) I said, don't push me. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, verse number 22. And immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. And after he had sent the crowds away went up on the mountain by himself to pray, and when it was evening, he was there alone, and the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. You ever felt like you'd just been in the will of God and been beat up by the winds, and the circumstances were contrary? That was the disciples' case here. They were were in the boat, headed to the other side. But watch this. The storm came not because they were disobedient. The storm came because they were being obedient. Sometimes the storms in your life is because you're walking in obedience. So if you're going through something right now, you just ought to look back and say, Lord, I thank you because if the wind is contrary and if I'm being beat up, I must be doing something right. And it was in the fourth watch of the night that he came walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost, and they cried out in fear, but immediately... Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat, and he walked on the water, and he came towards Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took a hold of him and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they had got into the boat, the wind stopped, and there were those in the boat that worshipped him, saying, you are certainly God's son. I want to draw your attention back to verse number 28. This is what I want to release over your life this morning. Verse 28, and Peter said to him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Somebody shout on the water. And Jesus said, and he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat, and he walked on water. And he came towards Jesus. This will be the fourth series of these messages. We titled it, Releasing the Culture of Faith. High five about three people and tell them it's a faith thing now. Just tell them it's a faith thing. It's a faith thing. Come on, tell them it's all about faith. It's a faith thing. And Peter got out of the boat, and he walked on water. Let me just put it to you this way. God's going to take you places where nobody else could ever dream about going. God's going to do things in your life that nobody else could ever even dream about because it's going to be so big, so powerful, and so monumental. Amen? Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, I thank you. Holy Spirit, I thank you for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do in this place. Lord, I thank you today, Lord, that Lord that you would open up the eyes of our understanding and help us to receive what it is that you're saying to the church this morning. Holy Spirit, you're the preacher, you're the teacher, you're the revealer, you're the revelator, you're the communicator of all truth. Lord, let truth prevail in our hearts this morning. We thank you for what you're going to do in this place, and we give you all the glory. All the honor and the praise now. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody together said amen. Amen and amen. amen. God bless you this morning. You may be seated. Let me just take you back just for a few minutes of some things that I said last week. Take about five or six minutes of review. Just to catch you up to speed in case you weren't here. Because it kind of sets the pace for what God is saying to us today. How many realize this morning that everything that God does... God does it with intentionality, meaning that his actions are never an end unto themselves. Everything that God does, they always work towards an acceptable end. He never does something just to do something because he's intentional about what he's doing. Whenever he does something, it's because he's doing something, because he's intentional about what he's doing. And because he's intentional, even when he does nothing, he's still doing something because he's still intentional about doing nothing. Amen. Because whatever God does, he does with intentionality. So when he's doing something, then he's doing something on purpose. And when he does nothing, he's still doing something because he's doing nothing on purpose because he's intentional about what he's doing. So even if it looks like nothing's happening, he's still doing something because he's intentional about doing nothing. Push on somebody and tell him he's an intentional God. So that means I'll praise him when he's doing something because he's intentional. And I've also learned how to praise him when he's doing nothing because he's intentional about doing nothing so I can rest in the fact that even when he's doing nothing, he's still up to something. Come on, push on somebody again on the other side. Of you can tell them he's an intentional God. That's why the Bible says in Romans 8:28, "For we know that God causes all things." Somebody shout, "All things!" God causes all things to work together for the good to them that love the Lord and who are called according to His purpose. That means everything in my life that's going on around me. It may not look good right now, but by the time God gets through with it, He, he makes everything beautiful in time. So he causes all things, somebody shouted again, all things, not a few things, not some things, not, 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 not just the little things or the big things. He causes all things to work together for my good. He's working everything together for my good so when it looks like nothing's happening, it's still something going on because even when nothing's happening, God is still up to something. Even though it looks like nothing, I wish somebody give God praise right there because that's the God that we serve. That's the God that we track with. That's the God that we ascribe to. So when so when you begin to couple the uh, intentionality of God, and that's what we've been talking about, when you when you begin to couple the intentionality of God with the sovereignty of God. That word sovereignty, don't let it throw you off. It's just an old theological word which means supreme being or supreme authority or all power. That's what sovereignty is. So whenever you begin to couple the intentionality of God with the sovereignty of God, then the text that we read in Isaiah makes a little bit more sense when Isaiah said, My purpose will be established, and I will accomplish all my good pleasure." So whatever, and then he goes on saying, truly I have spoken it and surely I will do it. So whatever God has willed, there ain't no devil big enough to stop it. Whatever God has said over your life, there ain't no problem big enough to hinder it. Whatever God has started in your life, the Bible says he is faithful to complete what he started. The fact that he started something in your life is the sign. It's the evidence that it's already finished because he would have never started it had he not already finished it because Isaiah said he knows the end from the beginning. That's the kind of God that we serve. Now look at your neighbor and say, what you all tied up about? What you fretful about? What you, what, what you worried about? Huh? What you worried about? If you know that God is working out the counsel of his will, if you know that God is working out the counsel of his purpose, you can get frustrated, you can get aggravated, but it shouldn't knock you off course. It shouldn't drop your faith down to a level where you can't find God. You just need to know in the back door of everything that's going on, even when nothing is happening, God is still doing something because he's intentional about doing nothing because he's going to make everything work together for my good. So, so, so in order for God... To be sovereign for in order for God to be supreme ruler. Just just in case you don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe you're a newcomer in the faith, the devil is not equal to God. The devil don't have more power than God. In fact, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. It, it, It was so quick, the moment he rebelled against God, he lost his place in heaven. Because God said, no, you can't stay here. You can't stay where there's not agreement. You can't stay where there's not harmony. Anytime you try to divide what God is doing, he said, you got to go. So you just need to rest assured that that Satan is not more powerful than God. He's just a good deceiver. So, so, So in order for God to be sovereign, it means that whatever he has created, then he has power. He has authority to manage it. If he can't manage it, if he can't have authority over it, then he's probably not a sovereign God. If whatever God has created and he don't have the right to rule over it, then he's probably not the supreme ruler of the universe. He's probably not God all by himself. But if he has created it, then he can manage it. Now, here's a couple of scriptures, just so a quick reference. Now, just, I'm about to catch you up. Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 3 says, he upholds all things. Somebody shout all things. He upholds all things by the word of his power. Colossians 1.17 says, in him all things are held together. Y'all see it? Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, notice that God has created everything. All things are upheld by the word of his power. All things are held together by God. If all things come from him, then all things depend on him for their continual existence. Are you with me so far? All right, let's look at another one. John chapter 1. This will all be on the screen. Verse number 3. All things were created by him and apart from him. Not one thing that was created that has been created. Somebody shout all things. All things were created by him. Now there's a few things I don't understand why he created, like a mosquito. <laughs> you ever wonder why 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 a mosquito? Huh? But he created everything has a purpose. And I didn't I didn't realize that until one year we were in Alaska. And uh, we were up there on one of those mountains up there, and I was just like dreaming of on a big moose hunt, you know how you do. And 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 I was talking to one of the guys up there because mosquitoes were really bad at certain times of the year there in Alaska. And he said, "Do you realize every every mosquito here in Alaska has a purpose?" And I said, "There ain't no mosquito on the planet that has a purpose." <laughs> he said, "Yeah." He said he said it's estimated there. I forgot the number. It's like it's like 10 or 13 trillion. Estimated mosquitoes. Now, I don't know how you count them. <laughs> but somehow, <laughs> enough, maybe they kill 10 in a bunch and say, okay, let's just multiply that and see what we get. But, but the mosquitoes did the pollination of the plants like bees. So that in, in, in the springtime, when the animals came to eat, there was more berries and more plants that had been pollinated that created the fruit so that the wild animals could live. That's what I said. I said, well, there you go. Even mosquitoes have a purpose. Now look at your neighbor and say, if a mosquito has a purpose, surely you got a purpose. Amen. Amen. All things are created by him and all things are held together by him and apart from him nothing was created. That means all the electrons in the known universe maintain their path and their speed by the counsel of His will. That means nothing moves, nothing exists apart from the counsel or the purpose of God's will. That means all the motions of the immaterial world, all the souls of men and angels are held together by the counsel of His will. Without his will over it, the material world and the spiritual world would cease to exist, but all things are held together by the counsel and the purpose of his will. I'm just trying to tell you, he's a big old God, and we serve a mighty God that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think according to the power of God that works within us. So let me just work it out. How many are still tracking with me for a few minutes? About to get to where I'm going. We, we know this is true because these scriptures will be up there for you. Matthew 10, 29 says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. So that you could just go into, deep, into the deep recesses of the Amazon jungle. And a bird that falls off a branch and hits the bottom of the ground in the Amazon jungle, a sparrow, gets the notice of God. Not one bird can cease to exist that God don't know it. Luke eight twenty five says, Who then is this, that He commands the winds and the waves, and they obey Him? They obeyed Him then, and they still obey Him now. That means every hurricane, every typhoon, every tornado, every tsunami, cannot form or appear unless he can rule over it unless he can manage it. Amen. Mark 127, this is just scripture just to validate where I'm trying to go. Mark 127 says he commands unclean spirits and they obey him. just to let you know I've got power over demonic forces. Demonic forces is nothing to me. God says I've got rulership over them. I've got got power and authority over every demonic being. In fact, you just got to know I am the smith that was created to blow the coals of the fire. Satan was not something equal to me. I was the one that created the smith that blows the coals of the fire. Satan, Lucifer, is a created being. And I just want you to know whatever I created, I have power to manage it. Whatever I have created, I've got authority to rule over it. About to preach up in here in a minute. First John five eighteen says, and they can't even talking about evil spirits, they can't even touch you without his permission. Yeah. So whatever you're going through, you just need to get happy about it. Because if if you're going through something, it's because God allowed it. If God stops it, it's because he didn't want you to go through it. So it don't matter. At the end of the day, I'm still in the counsel of his will. He's still working out his divine purposes over my life. So I'm not intimidated by what I'm going through. I'm not shell-shocked by what I have to face. Because if God be for me, what in the world could ever be against me? Revelation, last verse, Revelation 17, 14 says he wages war against the lamb and he overcame because he's the Lord of lords and he's the king of kings. And they, When they waged war against the lamb. In other words, when all these powers and all these entities, all these ruling governing kingdoms, when they begin to wage war against the king of kings and the Lord of lords, he just he's just letting us know I overcame them. Yeah. That just that that just says back to us that there's no king. There's no president. There's no chief, there's no sheik, there's no imam, there's no prime minister, there's no governor, or there's no congressman that has more power than he does. The only reason why they're in power is because he permits them to have power. You can find that out even in John chapter 19 when Pilate, when Jesus was standing before Pilate when he was about to be crucified. And Pilate was asking Jesus a bunch of questions and Jesus would not respond to Pilate. And Pilate said, don't you know that I have power and authority to either release you or crucify you? And Jesus spins around on him and he comes back to him and he says, you wouldn't have no power unless it was given to you from above. I'm just trying to let you know that the God that we serve is bigger than what you're going through. The God that you serve, he's bigger than a crazy jacked up world. The God that we serve is bigger than any kind of government that you can serve under. The God that you serve is bigger than COVID-19. It's bigger than disease and cancer. Come on, somebody jump up in this party with me for a moment. God is bigger than all these things that we face. So that means this, and I'm about to get to where I'm going. That means no viruses, no bacteria, no broken chromosomes, no messed up DNA, no disease is beyond his power. No plan, no scheme, no trick of the enemy, no sin, or even the spirit of death is outside the boundaries of his sovereignty. Whatever God wills, he wills. Whatever God's purpose is his purpose. He reigns over it all, and nothing is outside his sovereign will. If he he meets something with resistance, he either allows it for his purposes or he helps you to overcome it for his purposes because he's God and there's nobody like him. He's God all by himself. So that means if God created the laws of gravity, then he has the power, the sovereignty, to override it. Yes. If he created the laws of physics, then he has the sovereignty, the power, yes. to override it. Amen. If he created the laws of mathematics, if he wants to, he can override it. Yes. He can take a boy's lunch, five loaves of bread and two fish, yes. and feed 5,000 men on the hillside. Not counting women and children. Most scholars will say that number bumps up to about 20,000 people. Because when God gets ready to multiply something, you can't make sense of it. (laughs) He created the laws of seed, time, and harvest. That's what he said in Genesis. As long as the earth remains, there will always be seed, time, and harvest. But yet at the same time, if he wants to, according to Amos 9.13, he can cause the plowman to overtake the reaper. If he wants to, he can reverse the order. I'm just trying to tell you, when God gets... When God gets busy in a business, when God gets busy in your life, it doesn't matter what the prescribed laws are. If he has to, he can walk right up in the middle of it and change the reverse cycle and cause you to come out without even the smell of smoke on you. Come on, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you were supposed to be on fire, but you came out and not one hair of your hair has been singed and there's not even no smell of smoke because the Bible says there was no power that had effect over them because God is the supreme power. <laughs> Ooh, I feel like something about that happened up in here. So that means this, if God created the solar system, huh, the cosmos, and puts them in their proper place, and he commands the stars, he commands the planets, and they stay suspended, and they stay in proper order. And they stay in their function. But if he wants to, at the same time, Joshua found out in his day, in Joshua chapter 10, that he could cause the sun to stand still for a day and the moon to stand still for a day he said is this not written in the book of Jashar that the sun refused to go down for a whole day and the moon was stopped in its track because if he created the planets, if he created the solar system, if he created the universe, he's not a sovereign God if he don't have power over it. Look at your neighbor and say he's a big God. He's a big God. A big God. I'm about to get to where I'm going. Y'all doing all right? That means, I I got to thinking about this, I I did this, I I used these numbers with you before, but I I got to thinking about the breadth and the depth of God, because we get hung up over what we see. God's just moving towards his purpose. Do you realize that there are nine planets in our solar system that revolve around the sun, the S-U-N sun? Along with those nine planets, there are 32 moons that revolve around each of them. The earth is 7,900 miles in diameter. The sun is 865,000 miles in diameter, meaning you can take hundreds of thousands of Earth and drop them inside the sun, and they'd roll around like marbles inside of a five-gallon bucket. That's how big it is. The Earth is the third planet from the sun, which is 93 million miles. Pluto's the furthest planet that we know in our known sol- solar system universe. There, it's the furthest. It's at 3 billion miles away from the sun. Scientists have estimated that there are billions of galaxies with billions of stars. Psalms 147 says he counts the stars and he calls them by name. Isaiah 40 says he holds the universe in the palm of his hand. I'm just trying to tell you, it don't matter how big it is out there, God's got it all under control right here. Just trying to let you know, light travels at the speed of 186,282 miles per second. That's roughly about 670 million miles per hour. That means if the moon is 239,000 miles from the earth, if you got into an airplane flying at 500 miles per hour with Clyde Johnson, (laughs) it would take you about 19 days to get there. Light gets there in 1.3 seconds. The sun is 93 million miles from the earth. If you traveled that distance in the jumbo jet airline, just saying flying at 500 miles per hour, to leave earth to go to the sun at flying 500 miles per hour, it would take you 21 years to get there. The nearest star to us, besides the sun, If you would get into a jumbo jet airline and fly to that star, it would take you how many years? Throw something out there. You're safe. 30 years out here, 30? If you were to fly to the nearest star, flying, let's just say, 500 miles per hour, it would take you 51 billion years to get there light gets there in 4.3 seconds I'm just trying to let you know when God wants to show up distance is irrelevant if God wants to move on your behalf it don't matter he holds it all come on talk to me up in here When God wants to move on your behalf, light can get there in 4.3 seconds. He moves at the speed of light. He moves at the speed of sound. You're not serving some rinky-dink, barely-getting-along kind of guru God. You're serving the supreme monarch of the universe, the supreme being of all the things that had ever existed. Nothing can exist without him. Nothing is apart from him. You are the apple of his eye. You're the flavor of his mouth. You have to know today that whatever God is doing in your life, he is faithful to complete it. He's in everything, but he can't be contained by nothing. Mm. He's in everything, but you can't contain him in anything because he's God and he's bigger than the way we think. So what I'm trying to tell you, if God created something, then by his own sovereignty, he can manage it. When you pray or when God gives you a word, you can believe God for it. Come on, I got to get some Holy Ghost filled. I got to get some faith filled. We're talking about a culture of faith. I don't care what the circumstances do not dictate the will of God. Circumstances do not move the will of God. Even though God may have to violate natural order to perform it, he can do it. He can take a doctor's report and overturn it if he wants to. Yes, he can. He can take whatever the enemy has meant for harm against you and cause good to come out of it. You could be trapped at the end of a desert looking over a Red Sea. And God can say, that's all right. I'll just split the sea and I'll let you walk over on dry ground. It makes no difference to God. But it's the sea. I created it. I can divide it. I can split it. And not only will I split it, I'll let you walk across on dry ground. And as soon as you get the last camel on the other side, when Pharaoh gets in there, I'll close the sea back up. I'll drown your enemies in pursuit of you because I'm God and there's nobody like me. I'm God and I can do it all by myself. I don't need a prop. I don't need your help. I just need somebody to walk in obedience. I just got to have somebody to believe me at the end of the day to release my power, to release my glory in the earth. If he chooses to, he can walk into the middle of a hungry den of lions. Come on, Daniel. uh, Persia law, Persia law, the Medes and the Persians, when they make a law, the Bible says it's irrevocable. It can't be changed. Some people lied on Daniel, said the only thing that we can catch Daniel on because he has an extraordinary spirit. He has a spirit of excellence on him. The only thing that we can catch him on is the way he serves as God. When Daniel heard that the king had made a new decree, when Darius, the king, had made a new decree and put his signet ring on it, Daniel said, don't bother me none. I'm still going to open my windows to the east and I'm going to pray three times a day. I'm not intimidated by the king's juncture. I'm not intimidated by the king's rule. I'm not intimidated by the Medes and the Persians' law. It don't matter to me. And they said, well, if you do it, Daniel, Daniel, you're going to go into the lion's den. Daniel said, it don't matter to me because God is able to shut the mouths of the lion if he wants to. And you know the story. They threw Daniel in the lion's den, and the angel of the Lord came down at night and put a lockjaw jaw on the lion's mouth. And not one lion touched him. And when the king heard that Daniel had survived the night, he threw all the people that made an inaccurate junction against Daniel. They threw them into the lion's den. And before their bodies hit the ground, they were consumed by the lion's because he's God yeah. I'm preaching harder than you your but I'm trying to get you somewhere he can reverse order he can do what he wants to he can turn water into wine before it's time come on Mary come on the party ain't over we about to get this thing started huh come on talk to me up in here See, everybody's like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? The world's falling apart. No, the party's just getting started, baby. We're about to release new wine of the Holy Ghost. There's about to be a fresh anointing on the church. There's about to be revival coming out of the church. We're about to strike a move of God like the world has never known. I'm not going to find me a cave and hide in. I'm going to lift my voice even louder. I'm going to find me a group of people that are living by faith. When the Son of Man returns, will he find some faith in the earth? That's what God is looking for. He's not looking for a bunch of whiny babies, but you want to just uh, just dig a hole in the sand and just kind of give up on life, give up on your marriage, give up on your children, give up on your job, give up on your dream, give up on your businesses. God is saying, no, won't you just step out in faith and watch what I'll do. I'll rest the sun if I have to. I'll cause the moon to stand still if I want to because I'm God. I don't know about you, but I get tired of these mandy-pandy, whiny Christians. I really do. I really do. I ain't got time for it. I ain't got time for it. I really don't. Listen, if you got a complaint, if you're going to bring a complaint to me, you better bring something on the other side of that complaint. Because I, t- I ain't got time to listen to your pity party. I ain't got time to listen to how bad you got it going on. Because there's somebody in the world that's way off worse than you are. We ain't got time to just sit around and say, well, I just hope God does no. We are moving something for the Lord. God is moving in our faith. God is moving with us. Even when you feel like you're out of time. Or maybe sometimes you feel like you missed your time. Or maybe you even feel like you mismanaged your time. The Bible says in Joel chapter 2 that God redeems the time. He redeems the time. In other words, God will make it back up to you. You may have missed 20 opportunities, but God will give you one more opportunity that will be greater than the 20 that you missed. Because he's God. He's God. He said, I'll make up to you the years that the swarming locust and the canker worm and all that stuff that came in and devoured your crops. I'll bless you coming in and I'll bless you going out. Amen. When He redeems the time, He makes up to you what you've missed, mismanaged, or lost. So I said all that to get to here. My faith then is not an event, Amen. my faith is not a Sunday morning church service. My faith is not when I'm just reading the Bible and I feel really spiritual. huh? Talk to me up in here. My faith is not an event. My faith is not a theory. My faith is not a feeling. It's not a school of thought. My faith is not a one-time experience. My faith is an attitude. (laughs) Look at your neighbor and say, you got to get a faith attitude. Come on. I know you got an attitude, but you need a faith attitude. (laughs) Come on, look at it and say, I know you got an attitude. You walk around with an attitude, but you need a faith attitude. You need to get an attitude that says, my behavior, my lifestyle, faith is a lifestyle. It's not just something that I possess, it's something that possesses me. Huh? I'm not just trying to wing until I hope I make it on the other side. This ain't, this, ain't, this ain't preschool. This ain't cross your fingers, step on the crack, break your mama's back. Huh? Remember that? Step on the line, you break your mama's spine. This ain't none of that. This is crazy. This ain't read your horoscope and see what kind of day you're going to have. Huh? Huh? This ain't the kind of day. This ain't, this ain't the world we're living in. We are in a kingdom. We are in a kingdom that, can, that is an undisputed kingdom. <laughs> so faith works all the time. Let me show you a scripture. Look with me in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Guys, if you can find that for me real quick. I don't know where I'm at on my notes. It says, now faith is assurance of things hoped for and it's the conviction or one translation says it's the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the assurance. One one translation says it's the substance. Yeah. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and it's the conviction or the evidence of things that are not yet seen. See that? So in order this is this is going to be new now. In order for faith To be faith, as God defines it, it's got to have a substance. Just leave that screen up there for me, guys. Faith is the substance or the assurance. So faith has to have a substance. Faith involves things. Faith has some stuff. It's the substance. It's the assurance of things hoped for. And it's the evidence of things that are not yet seen. So the source of your faith, watch this now, is the Word of God. If your word level is low, then your faith level is low. The source of your faith is the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. Faith cometh by hearing... And hearing the word of God. So watch this. Real simple. Easy formula. If you want more faith, get more word. If you're, if you're struggling in your faith, it's because you're struggling in the word. Because I told you last week, we don't have time to preach all that. But But faith is released where the will of God is known. So you can't even release faith unless you know what the will of God is. You don't know what the will of God is unless you read his word. Where's all my amens at? I feel like y'all got me up here by myself. So so, so the word is the source of our faith. When there's no word, it's simple. There's no faith. Because you can't will it into being. You have to find out what the will of God is because what stands forever is not your plans, it's his plans. He is committed to his purpose, not yours. So the best thing you and I can do is get on board with his purpose. So the word is the source. So, so, so faith, another way of using it, faith is our confirmation. It's the assurance. It's, it, it's, it's, the, it's the, the title deed. Of what we hope for. The word is the source of our faith. Watch this now. So therefore our hope comes from the word. Without hope, faith has nothing to fulfill. Because hope is the confident expectation of something good. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the confident expectation of something good. So if you lose hope, faith don't have a chance. Because hope gives faith the substance to work in. So, so, so that means this. Just track with me for a moment. i going to preach it out in a moment. When I hear a wrong report or receive a negative report from the world, I have to go back to the Word to get my hope. Because my hope does not come from the world. Come on, talk to me. Faith is the assurance. It's the confirmation. It's my guarantee that what I hope for, even though I can't see it, it still exists. Are you tracking with me? Come on, don't, don't, don't fall asleep. I wish, I, if you fall asleep, I pray to God you fall off that chair if you fall asleep. I tell you, I, tell you, I, ain't, got time, I ain't got time for lazy believers. I'm, try, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to keep you alive in the midst of craziness. I'm trying to keep your faith activated in the midst of a world that's gone crazy. So, 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 so faith is the substance of things hoped for, and it's the evidence of things that are not yet seen. Just because I can't see it don't mean it don't have substance. Just because I can't see it doesn't mean it does not exist. It exists. It's like, it's like you ever had to book a, a hotel room somewhere? Like you, you, just called into another state and say, "Hey, I'm. I i do not know where, where y'all stay at. Okay, Motel Eight. Okay, <laughs> you know how you know how you book a motel room? They'll leave the light on for you. Don't worry about it. You know how you book a motel room, and 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 you're over the phone. Now you're not there. Let's just say it's in. Let's just say let's just say it's in California. Okay, you're not there, but you call the hotel there in California." And you say, I like to book a room. You don't see the hotel. You're not there standing in the hotel. And the, and, and, and the lady will say, well, well, let me give you a confirmation number. So you get a confirmation number of a room that you booked, right? So that means somewhere in that hotel, you got a room. You're not there yet. You hadn't seen it yet. But you got a confirmation number. Faith is your title deed. It's your confirmation that what you believe for exists. You're not there yet. And listen, when you get there, if they say, I'm sorry, sir, but all the rooms are booked, you don't have a room. You just pull out your little piece of paper and say, uh uh, baby, I've got a confirmation number. I got proof. I got evidence that there's a room somewhere in this hotel. And you may have to kick somebody out, you may have to roll a bed around to but somewhere in this hotel I'm going to go to bed because I have a confirmation that's what your faith is in the realm of the spirit. It's a confirmation that whatever you are believing God for that's in line with the will of God, you may not see it, it may not be tangible, you may not smell it, you may not taste it, but somewhere in the cosmos of God, somewhere in the counsel of God's purpose, there is a promise living over my life and the devil can't stop me if he wanted to. The devil can't hinder me if he tried to push on somebody and tell them I've got a title deed to this thing baby yes I do I got a title deed to this thing I got a title deed to it my confirmation is proof of what I can't see so I put pressure on it until it begins to manifest the word of God is my proof that what I hope for exist somewhere (laughs) the word is my proof that i have it here's the way i do it if god didn't want me to have it he better not let me find it in his word if god didn't want me to exercise my faith in that direction he better not put it in his word because if i can find it in his word Baby, it's the hunt is on. I am coming after it with everything I got. I am Rambo ready. I am locked and loaded. I got a knife between my teeth, and I am coming after everything that God's got for me. I'm not scared of devils and demons and doctrines of devils and demons. I'm not scared of people. I'm not scared and intimidated, because if God put a word over my life, then he has allowed me to find my place in the council of his will. And I'm just going to believe God. I'm going to stand in the middle of hell and high water. I'm going to stand in the middle of adversity. I'm going to take on the flack of the enemy, but I'm going to keep declaring God is able. God can do it. Won't he do it? Will he do it? Surely he'll do it. God is a God all by himself. See, right about now, if y'all were tracking with me, you'd be throwing chairs, diapers, and babies. I'm telling you, you'd be running this place. We have got so indoctrinated by the news press. We got so indoctrinated by what's going on, the politics of our world. Can I tell you something? God is bigger than your politics. God is bigger than your Democrats and your Republicans. God is bigger than your independents and your whatever. God is bigger than all that stuff, and we want to stay divided. We want to act like the church is limping. I'm telling you, he's coming back for a bride that's without spot, that has no wrinkle. He's coming back for a church that's going to be full of glory. Does not your Bible say we go from faith to faith. We go from glory to glory. We go from strength to strength. That's what it says. That's what it says. Look at your neighbor and say it's a faith thing. If I can find the evidence that it exists, you can't talk me out of it. If God put a dream in your heart, If God put a purpose in your life, you ought to go for it like nobody's business. I just don't know if I got it. Money is irrelevant. Money will come. Money follows vision. God provides provision. God gives you money. God gives you provision for the vision. He provides. I just don't know if it's going to work out. Well, you keep talking like that, and it won't. Hmm? All right. Y'all doing all right? Is that clock right? Is it really 1152? Is it really? What'd y'all do? Y'all back it? Y'all sped it up when I wasn't looking. <laughs> Faith deals with things that are real, but they have not yet penetrated your five senses. You get it? we so earthly bound. See, the reason why God gave you five senses so that you can operate on the planet, so you could taste stuff, hear stuff, smell stuff, touch stuff. That's your five senses. But you've got another sense, <laughs> not a lack of sense. You've got another sense. It's called your faith sense. And your faith sense goes beyond your five senses. Because most people give up when they can't see it. Most people give up when they can't touch it. Most people give up when they hear something negative. Amen. Well, It just ain't worth it. Really? You think the enemy's just going to roll over and play dead because, dun da, dun here you are? The enemy's not going to roll over and play dead. Does not your Bible say it's the fight of faith? You know what the fight of faith is? It's staying in the faith. You have to stay in the faith. That's the fight of faith, is to stay in the faith. It's the fight of faith. One translation says it's the good fight of faith. You know what a good fight is? It's the one you win. I've been in some fights. Thanks to my brother-in-law. My brother. <laughs> they dragged me into these things. <laughs> You'll have to get the backstory later and got time. But any fight, and I've been in some other fights, only because, you know, I had to defend myself. But any fight that you walk away from that you win, you say, that's a good fight. But any fight that you lose, that's not a good fight. He said, You got to fight the good fight of faith. In other words, it's a fight that you win. So faith works, just a few more things here. Faith works beyond the natural senses. You don't see with your eyes, you see through your eyes. Your eyes program your brain. That dictate your moods. That's why if you don't operate by faith, you'll just see through natural eyes. You'll get a natural interpretation over a spiritual promise. Mm. Because faith is not about how you feel. (laughs) Because you can still feel faithless, but be full of faith. I'm teaching better than you're shouting. You can feel full of faith and have no faith. Cuz it's not about the way you feel. Cuz faith don't work in the realm of logic. It doesn't work in the realm of reasoning. Faith is not an emotion. It's not an emotion. Well, I just don't feel like I'm in faith. Well, you might be at the you might be on your A game. Emotions can change based on the information you receive. Yeah? Yeah. Emotions are the most unstable part of your being. And they change based on information. The content will affect your feelings. Now, let me just say it to you this way, just so we don't override it here. Emotions are real, but they are the caboose. Y'all know what a caboose is to a train? Uh I mean, that's like the last car. Emotions are the caboose. To a train, not the engine. You're not led by the caboose. You're led by your spirit. And faith comes out of your spirit, not out of your emotions. So I can come in here with the worst thing going on in my life, but faith says I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going to worship him. I'm going to come in here in the midst of hell and high water, feel like I'm being tacked on every side, but I'm not going to worship him based on my feelings because if my feelings had anything to do with it, I'd have pulled down the curtain, shut the doors, locked the doors, and I'd have stayed in under the covers. But I've got faith in the me that says something's bigger than what I'm going through. Something is bigger than what I'm fighting for. And I just begin to release my praise. That's why when you come to church, don't you ever you come up in here and act like you ain't got a reason to give God praise. It never should dictate the moment. It should never dictate the move. You ought to come up in here. In fact, you ought to wake up with a praise in your spirit. You ought to wake up with a shout in your heart. And you ought to be walking up out of your house saying, I know it don't look good right now. I know it don't feel good right now. I know it don't even seem right right now. But at the end of the day, God is going to work it out. Won't he do it? God will surely do it if he it. He'll do it That's the kind of God that we serve Faith is tied to substance Somebody shout substance That is not yet seen or experienced With your five senses You have to be convinced That what you can't see Is more real than what you can see all right, let me just, i close right here. I, I really got three good points, but apparently time just don't ever lend to my points. You have to be convinced that it is real. Watch this. What you can't see, you have to be convinced that it's real based on the subject that's calling for your faith. Watch this now. God is the subject. The primary ingredient to experience God is faith. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's not hard. It's impossible. Are you tracking with me? So faith is the primary two minutes, and I'm, I'm out of here, okay? At least I'm, I'm landing the plane. Faith is the primary ingredient that we need to experience God. Without faith, you displease God. There's no room in the middle. Okay? If you're not living by faith, you're not pleasing God. I feel like y'all getting mad at me. I'm I'm preaching the Bible. I feel like y'all, oh I feel I feel resistance in the spirit right there. I feel like y'all threw that word right back at me. Bam, there it is. Tell you, preacher. I feel like without faith, it's impossible to please God. So when you're not in faith, you're not pleasing God. Does not your Bible say on four different occasions that the righteous shall live by faith? Not by your feelings. Not by your bank account. Not by your successes. Not by your degrees. Not by your diplomas. Not by your your beautiful woman or your handsome husband or your fine children. Just trying to describe you. You, you That ain't how you please God. You please God by faith. The primary goal of faith is not for you to get another car. It's not for you to bigger buy a bigger house. It's not for you to get a better job. All those things can work in it, but that is not the primary objective of faith. The primary objective of faith is to please God. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. So so, so, so when when you're not exercising your faith, watch this now, because God's the primary subject. When you're not exercising your faith, watch this, then you're challenging God's integrity. Mm. When you're not operating in faith, you're challenging God's integrity. Here's an example. When God says something to you, over you, for you, it's in the Word, and you don't operate in faith on it, then you have just challenged the integrity of who God is. Here it goes. How do you feel? How do you feel when you know you're telling the truth about something, and somebody walks up to you and says you're lying? I mean, you know you're telling the truth, and then somebody walks in, you and says, you're lying. You have just attacked my integrity. How do you think God feels when He says, I'm gonna make you the head and not the tail? I'm gonna make you above and not beneath. I'm gonna bless you coming in and I'm gonna bless you going out. How do you think God feels when we don't operate in faith? You know what we're saying? You lying. You're lying. You're lying. We're you're, you're saying that to God. God, you're lying. We are attacking the integrity of God. So what God's doing in this 21st hour, 21st century church, especially here in America, this is what I'm trying to help you with because you're not going to get this on your news channel. You're not going to get this on your favorite TV program. What God is doing in the American church in this hour, he's calling believers to come out of your comfort zone. He's calling believers to come out of those places where you've been compliant. And he's calling you to rise to the measure and to the integrity of God's word. So if whatever God says, you put your feet down, you put your face into the wind, and you stand in the midst of anything that the devil can throw at you, and you start declaring, I believe God. Come on, give God a praise if you believe that. And too many, come on, on, Pastor Corey, you guys, come on. Too many people are living by a lifestyle that's insulting the integrity of God. Mm. This vision on this campus, I'll just use this because everybody's pretty much aware of it. When this vision started in 1990, none of this was here. We didn't even own the land. But we had a vision because God put a word in our hearts. And it was just a handful of us, a bunch of ragtag people. <laughs> we were the dirty dozen. <laughs> we were just standing in faith, Wayne. Standing in faith, Nancy. Just standing, declaring, believing the word of God. We wouldn't let go of the promise, Linda. We just kept fighting for what we believed in because God put a word over our life. And you think the devil just rolled it out and said, here, take it, it's yours. No, we had to fight everything that we had to get through to get to this. Every building we built on this campus has been without a fight. Banks have denied us. Banks have laughed me out of their office. Board members have hung up on me. But I just say, uh-uh, I'm gonna be like that, that judge, you know, with the, the woman with up against that judge. I'm just gonna keep knocking. We coming, we coming, we coming, and we're not gonna give you rest until you open up what God has already promised us. We're gonna keep beating on that door. We're just gonna keep coming after you. We're just gonna keep plowing. I, I had had some talking to somebody the other day, talking about this new building we won't build. I know that may be not exciting all of us because we're most, most people just live for the immediate. I'm li- living for future generations. I'm praying one day your grandchildren will worship the Lord on that platform. I'm praying one day your grandchildren will walk inside those chairs and they will be a, a part of something bigger than you are. So most people can't get excited because, well, I, you know, I am just I done did my time. It's like, like serving God is a prison sentence. I did my time. That's why some people don't even serve today. Well, I already did my time. It's not a time you are serving as unto the Lord. So you really think you that's the what they said, you really think you can build that? I said, with every fiber of my being. I don't even have a doubt that it can be done. Where's the money coming from? I don't know. How you gonna do it? I don't know. But I know one thing, we're gonna put some stakes in the ground I'm going to rent a bulldozer I don't need an operator I can drive it myself and I will get out there on that I just believe at the end of the day God is who he says he is and I'm going to create a culture of faith that releases the will of God over my generation come on if you believe that jump up on your feet and give God a praise come on, come on lift your hands and give him a praise come on all over the building just begin to magnify him. Peter got out of the limitations. Peter got out of the restrictions. He got beyond the barriers. He was in a boat. It was the boat of limitations. It was the boat of restrictions. He said, Lord, if that's you, command me to come. And Peter stepped out of the boat and he began to walk on water. Not because he had more faith than any of the other disciples. Not because he was more spiritual. It was because he was willing to release his faith into a dimension that did not make any natural sense. Here's the translation. This is Chuck Pelham's version when he stepped out of the boat. Lord, let me do the impossible. Come on, God's inviting you to a table this morning to do the impossible. Jesus did not initiate the movement Peter did. Jesus just gave it permission because all things are held together by the counsel of his will. If he didn't will it, he couldn't walk on it. But because God willed it, when he stepped out of the boat, the water became like concrete. God's waiting on you to step out of that place of limitation. God's waiting on you to step out of that place of restriction and just obey the word of the Lord and watch what God will do on the other side of your obedience. Come on, everybody in the room, lift your hands and just begin to thank God for what he's promised you. Come on, we're just going to pray for a moment. Come on, just begin to declare, God, I'm stepping out of the boat. God, I'm moving beyond the barriers. I'm moving beyond the restrictions and the limitations. I'm getting beyond the logic of my own mind. Come on, I can't even hear you pray. Are you praying? Come on, begin to declare it now. Declare it in the name of Jesus. I refuse to be limited. I refuse to be restrained. Come on, somebody's got to break it in your spirit, break it in your life today. Come on, go for that business. Go for that miracle. Go for that job. Do what God called you to do. Take your place. the counsel of God let heaven organize the victory over your life let heaven rearrange the circumstances for your promotion surely his will surely his counsel will stand forever it'll stand forever it'll stand forever okay Step out. Come on, step out. Say, I'm afraid. Do it in your, do it, do it afraid. Just step out. Step out in your faith. Do it because you believe God. where he was going. The father of faith, everything that we hinge on theologically, the father of faith, Abraham, he left not knowing where he was going. He struck out on a 1,500-mile journey not knowing the outcome. The key was not the outcome because God's going to be faithful to his promise. The key was, Abraham, can you step out with no guarantees? Can you step out without a roadmap? Can you move without a GPS? Can you trust me when it don't make no sense? Can you just step out and begin? Every journey begins with one step. Every movement begins with one step. And God is calling for a generation to take a step in faith. We don't know what it looks like, but that's the surprises of God. Peter didn't know he could walk on water until he got on some water. You don't know what God will do until you get out there where you can't control it. Faith. I just feel this today. This is, this is a clarion call. It's time to step out in faith. God's releasing the culture of faith. My best days are not behind me. My best days are still in front of me. I may have lost some stuff along the way, but I'm still breathing. Uh, God still has a promise over my life. Amen. So I'm just, whatever they want to sing. But you don't have to come to the front if you want to, but just at least take a step. Just just in an act, in an act of like I'm moving somewhere. I refuse to be stale. I refuse to be stagnated. So on the count of three, we're gonna lift up a shout and praise and just take a step. I don't care if it's sideways, backwards, but move somewhere. One, two, three. Come on, just take a step. That's what we're doing. I'm just moving i moving. I'm just moving. all over the building. Lord, we thank you this morning that we're stepping out. We're stepping out of complacency. We're stepping out of compromise. Lord, we're releasing our faith into another dimension. Just because it's unseen doesn't mean it's unreal. Hallelujah. Lord, it's real. It's real. It has substance. It has substance. It's my title deed. Lord, we thank you we thank you Jesus. Here's the thing about faith. John John Wimber, who was a Wesleyan pastor, he said it the best. He said faith is spelled R I S K. Faith is spelled R I S K. Praise the Lord. Faith is a risk. It's a risk. Because if you can control the outcome, then it's not faith. If you can manufacture the answer and fix the outcome, don't call it faith. Faith is stepping out into the unknown. And it's a risk. Well, what if I fail? Well, I like to believe, what if you succeed? See, and everybody preaches... Matthew 14 where Peter got his eyes off of the Lord and he began to sink he failed when I mean, you get your eyes off the Lord you fail I get all that and no, all that's true all, all that preach is good but you know who the first one to touch Peter in his failure the first one to get to Peter in the midst of his failure was Jesus come on even if I fail the first person that's going to touch me will be Jesus That's why why you can't lose. You can't lose. Even if you step out and it don't work, Jesus will be there. We're stepping out. We're stepping out. My home is stepping out. Karen and I are stepping out. We're believing God. We're prophesying things over our children, our grandchildren. I pray I live long enough to see great-grandchildren. Lord, let me have a part in their lives. Prophesy, amen, because we're building a culture of faith, not a moment, a lifestyle, amen, Father, this morning we thank you, come on, lift your hands, we thank you, Lord, there's people that are standing under the sound of my voice, some that are at the altar, some that took steps in their seats. We're stepping beyond the natural. And we're moving into something that cannot be explained. So, Father, this morning we thank you. Hallelujah. Come on, if you're grateful, just begin to thank you for a moment. I feel his presence. Come on, he's moving in your midst. Even when I don't see him, he's moving. Even when I don't feel him, He's moving. He's moving. He's moving. He's moving. He's moving. He's moving. He's moving over your life. He's moving over your home. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want you guys to stay right here for a moment. Mr. Howard, are you, yeah, are you able to stand for a moment? Jose, if you have to, just bring his chair. Come on up here, Mr. Howard. I want us to do something this morning. You need to sit down? You want to sit down? Yeah, that'd be good. Just sit right there. The chair's right behind you. Now let's face him towards the crowd. Don't, don't, hold up, hold up, Mr. Howard. We want you to sit right there. This is uh, in case y'all don't know him, this is Howard Stahl. He's been a member of New Harvest Church, he and his Pat, his wife Pat, for 23 years. Miss Pat passed away February the 11th of this year. They've been members of this house for 23 years. What you may not know about Mr. Howard is is that, uh, how old are you now, Howard? 80, 85 years old, and he's still serving. He serves, he serves on the on the uh, Usher and the Greeter team back there. But what you may not know is for years. He was our first unofficial maintenance man. This building is held together by Howard Stahl. He has fixed and repaired so much stuff. I don't think there's a door you haven't touched. He has made, he's built so many things for props. When we did all these outreaches and events that we would do, he would just build stuff at his own expense. Most of the time, he just, his little shop back there, he would build it. So he's built, he's maintained. There wasn't a day that we couldn't call him, he'd come on campus. And he'd just fix whatever was broken without pay. Because he was serving. The house of the Lord. Today's his last Sunday here at New Harvest Church. He's going to be moving to Fort Myers with his daughter Mickey, and uh, we're getting him plugged into Life Church over there. I already talked to the pastor Ryan Deaton over there. I said he's coming. Now he ain't as quick as them young boys, but he's going to be steady. He's going to be steady. And I just thought I just thought I mean he's 85 years old and man we can't get some people to serve for 85 days he's been here consistently for 23 years this is back when we had Sunday morning Sunday night Wednesday night our power on Monday night just kept showing up he, he and his Pat, just faithful people I want to read something to you Howard just stay right there I wrote this scripture down this morning It's okay, you're okay. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10, it says, So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are the household of faith. So this morning, we want to do good to those who have been faithful to the household of faith. So we got this plaque made for you, Mr. Howard. Just pass it up here. Pastor Carlos got this designed and made up. It says, New Harvest Church, a testimony of sincere appreciation presented to Howard Stahl in honor and with deep appreciation of the distinguished and unselfish service as a covenant partner for 23 years. Thank you from 1998 to 2021. We're going to give you that. and. We're going to give you a check here so you can go buy you a fishing rod. Y'all be, you're going to be next to the ocean over there. You might as well fish. So, so <laughs> he, said, he said, I'd rather have a shotgun. Okay, good. that's enough to buy you a shotgun too. So whatever you want to do with it. But all sincere to Howard. Yeah, sure. You've been such. 23 years, which 20 of those years, I've had the privilege of being your pastor. And you've been an encourager, you've been a blessing to Karen and I and to our family. And we're not saying goodbye. We just relocate. We just relocate. And you know what? You remind me, you remind me of Caleb of old. Remember? When he came into the promised land, he was 40 years old, and he wanted that mountain. But I uh, had a bunch of people around him that wouldn't let him get there. But you know, the, Caleb was so faithful to the call of God, and he was even faithful to the people that were serving with him. And you know what? When they finally got in there, Caleb looked at all them boys around him. He said, you know what? I might be 85, but I'm as strong today as I was when I came into the land. So I just released the strength of the Lord over your life. God is at work. Thank you. Thank you for being such a general of faithfulness and serving this house and serving others. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. I can't tell you how much we love you and how much we appreciate you. Father, I pray today for Howard. Lord, I pray that you would renew his strength. Lord, let him fly. Let him him soar into greater depths, greater levels. Lord, I thank you today, Lord, that you're even restoring his life to a greater measure. So, Father, as we celebrate him today, Lord, this is not a loss in the kingdom of God. It's just a movement. It's a transference. Lord, if anything, this is the right way to do it. Serve until you have to change. So, Lord, you're changing things over his life, changing things over his family. So, Father, we thank you today. Lord, we thank you for the gift of God that he's been to this house. And, Lord, even as your word says, as his days are, so shall his strength be. Lord, he'll never lack. He'll never live in want. So, Father, we bless him today. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody together said amen. Amen. I you guys. But I see it. Up there. <laughs> amen. We'll do that. We're going to dismiss the service. Howard, you can sit there. If people want to come by and maybe say hello to you, we're going to let them do that. Just let them love on you.